My name is Ollie Peer, and this is... A man searching for his pop shield. Oh, <laughs> Where is it? I couldn't find it. <sighs> Carry on. And this is the Apre Podcast, a wintry soiree full of peasts, pubs and puke, probably. I mean, it is Apre. On the show this week... Yeah. And you get all the hardcore dudes in crampons going up. And then us three lads from Essex. <laughs> Phil Young regales us with his slippery arms. Find out what game astronauts play in space. And I'll teach you how to hack into Eurosport. That's all to come. A massive dump had us feeling fresh today. Pipes cleared, the pieces were ripe for ripping, and rip we did. But now, the sun has set on our day in the snow, and we're hunkered down, frothing tash, for me anyway, ready to fill you lovely lot in with what's been happening this week. It's contest, 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 my friend. What do you call That's me? what's happening, isn't it? I think we've mentioned it before. We're kind of living our ski and snowboard lives vicariously through the elite sport athletes that are out there performing for us um third stop of the freeride world tour now actually mm. it must be noted that the weather window for this contest is the 10th until the 17th we record this right now on the 8th so actually as we speak this contest may or may not have happened already bear with me bear with me okay. now okay. Okay. february has seen unusually warm weather all across the Alps, warm winds, very little fresh snow. Now, this has been very challenging for contest directors in all the contests, whether it's downhill racing or indeed the Freeride World Tour, which is what I want to talk about. Now, the Freeride World Tour, the venues for these contests are on these huge, super steep faces with cliffs, rock bands, just danger on every turn. So the conditions do have to be primo for these events to uh, to run. So they've actually pushed this event back so the the weather window has been pushed back a week from the 10th until the 17th now but basically i implore you to get yourself over to freerideworldtour.com or their youtube channel um find out when it's happening if you get a chance to watch it live it is a true spectacle skiing and snowboarding danger skiing and snowboarding basically but it's incredible the world's very best riders taking on these gnarly faces and if it has already happened and there is already a winner uh, a winner from the austrian tyrol fieberbrunn then um you can watch the recap videos uh, which are equally just as entertaining what, what is the backup though like because i you must this must have happened to you when you've gone out to a contest commentator or whatever i mean what do they do? What's the, like... They must sh- shit themselves and be like, oh, no, this can't happen. I mean, you've got snow cannons, I guess, but what's the deal? Well, you don't have snow cannons in the backcountry where these events are taking place, and so by affording themselves this weather window, this seven-day weather window, they only need one day to run the event. Or, in alternative, when I've actually been to these events and worked on the Free Ride World Tours, they've sometimes done the females on one day and the men on another day or the skiing on one day and the snowboarding on another day so they do have the luxury of being able to split it up now the problem you do have which leads me perfectly on to the ski and snowboard freestyle world champs now this is when you're dealing with hundreds of skiers hundreds of snowboarders now you can't just leave them all waiting there for seven days so these events kind of do have to run now, they give themselves a weather window again, um, but this weather window is usually shorter and more often than not, you will see the skiers or snowboarders riding in unfavourable conditions. However, 
These events have been moved. They were supposed to be in uh, Italy, I believe. They're now in Aspen, but that's kicking off right now. This weekend, it's going to be incredible. Um, it's all going to be available to watch on Eurosport. I've got a little hack on how you can watch it. Um, but first and foremost, Katie Ormerod, our guest from last week, she's out there representing Great Britain. And we do have a defending world champion, men's freestyle skier, James Woods, will be out in Aspen defending his crown against the world's very best. Now, the hack, how do you watch it? Well, you can either go and buy yourself a Eurosport pass or if you've got Amazon Prime, you can activate a free seven-day trial and then cancel it. Yeah, but you've got to you've got to set the reminder. So when hang on, when when do I activate my seven day trial then? Right now, start it right now because you've got the finals of the men's, women's ski and snowboard, slope style, half pipe, and big air starting right now this Friday. Great. Have you seen my toothbrush? Uh. Uh, yeah, I might have used it actually. That is disgusting, Tim. It's fine. I always wash it after I've used it. The toilet isn't even that dirty. That what the, he- mate? That is disgusting. I'm going to go and answer the door in our virtual metaphorical log cabin. Who's that? It's Phil. Phil who? It's Phil. Tim. It's Phil. <laughs> it's Phil Young. It's Phil Young, everybody. <laughs> Let him in, let him in. He must have been bored stupid out there. Come on. In you come, Phil. It's cold outside, isn't it, chaps? Oh, it's cold. Luckily, so cold. you know what? I've, I've, I've got in the habit of wearing a scarf. And anyone who doesn't wear a scarf is a fool. Because not only does it keep your neck warm, chaps, but you can tuck it down and keep your chest warm as well. Oh. So, so versatile. Yeah, I like that. I like that. And I do like a scarf. The thing is, right, my mum bought me this, um, it sounds posh, but she bought me a, a merino wool scarf. But it's really, posh. It, yeah, but it's really thin. So it's like, it's like using a tie as a scarf, which is just stupid. So <laughs> I can, I know what you mean about a scarf, but what kind, what are we saying? Are we saying like a really big chunky knit thing or what was always your... chunky no well it's not a doctor who scarf if that's mm. what if that's what you're trying to insinuate no it's uh it's camouflage of course you know <laughs> it is but it is thin but you can layer it up mm. so that it can it can be warmer or cooler depending on the in the outdoor or indoor uh temperature and what Labs. i didn't what i didn't mention sorry tim i'm gonna finish no, go this on. what i Please didn't do. mention ollie is yeah. that you can also wrap it over your head and make a kind of a makeshift hat stroke balaclava. Do you know what? I love that. I love that. So you can wear it in... Lads, I mean, what's... what's lads, oh, sorry, go lads, on. Lads, enough of the scarves. Oh, yeah, yeah, man. sorry. Scarves for like nine minutes. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, hello. Look who it is. Here's the intro, Phil. This is what we do. Oh. It's only a man who has been a part of action sports for over 30 years, who behind the scenes has helped to steer skateboarding and snowboarding in the right direction, working on contests, working with huge brands to help shape the way that these, our cultures, ski, skate, snowboarding, have been presented to the millions, to the masses. Now, to some listeners, he'll also be known as the presenter of the much-loved mid-90s TV show, Bored Stupid, which, believe it or not, was a primetime TV show dedicated to snowboarding. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Phil Young, everybody! That's a lovely intro, Tim. Did I miss anything out? Undoubtedly. 
Yes. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, it was good. It was very, it was very, uh, very I, kind of you, Tim. I instantly uh, started to think about all the things we've worked on together. And, and there was loads. There's absolutely loads that we've yeah, done. We've, and I, of well, course, I, grew up watching Bored Stupid. Let's start with Bored Stupid. Let me tell you about it. It was, it, it was a real random one. I was out in Chamonix for, for a season. I came back not knowing what I was going to do. I think I was working on a magazine or something like that, just making it up as I, I go along. We tried to get the magazine on the TV show, on a, a show called Bored Stupid that had done one pilot episode with uh, Normski, for, so for people of a certain age. I used to go out with Janet Street Porter. That day, they asked me if I wanted to do some commentary on some, I don't know, a slalom event or something. Two days later, I was interviewing... James Stentiford and Johnny Barr in London. The day afterwards, I was in Switzerland as a TV presenter, presenting, <laughs> presenting the show. I, I still, to this day, have no idea how that happened. Never something I intended on doing, but I just found myself, on, like, on the Monday, I think I was claiming the dole, on that following Tuesday, I was up in Les Ayens interviewing world champion snowboarders for Channel 4. Uh, one of the things that you are doing at the moment, very public about it, actually been on Ski Sunday, uh, read an article that you put in, I think it was in the Telegraph just the other day as well, and that's about diversity in outdoor sports in general. Actually, I think it's outdoor spaces, basically. I, right. I actually, I, I was in the Scouts growing up, right? So I've got a lot lot of time that I've spent, you know, hiking in the Lake District, Peak District, all those guys. I've been to all of these national parks, and I've been lucky enough to do a couple of seasons being in the mountains quite a lot. And, I mean, it is predominantly, almost exclusively, white people in those spaces. So what is it that you're trying to... What kind of message are you just trying to get out at the moment? Well, there's, I, I guess there's two uh, messages, two strands to it, really. One is to, is to educate people who aren't of colour what some of those issues are, uh, why you don't see people of colour in the outdoors, and to bring awareness of the the joys and the beauty to people of color of the outdoors to so you know approaching it in two different ways um because for for those of us who who are skiers or snowboarders or hikers or mountain bikers or climbers we know that the outdoor is is a very special place i can't imagine life without that but there are people in cities who live on the ninth floor of a tower block who never go out to the countryside who've never been to the mountains who never go to the coast who never go to the national parks that you're talking about and it is such a miss and it's such a waste it's a waste for them because they're not seeing it and it's a waste for everything that they can bring to the outdoors and by that i mean new ideas on how to navigate in the outdoors or 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 for the for the industry ways that you can sell the pro- product or ways that you can invent new things and, and and as far as performance you know you only have to look at people of color when they do get into a sport that that they're otherwise being denied they can be very good at it you know you look at the williams sisters you look at lewis hamilton you look at tiger woods it's not that black people don't like golf or black people don't like playing tennis it's just they haven't necessarily had the opportunity and and there's the, the reasons are several you mentioned the piece in Ski Sunday that I did and, and, and there I spoke about Windrush generation 
and we're talking about the 40s, 50s, 60s, when, when people came over from the Commonwealth, well, the, the colonies, really, as, as they were at the time, people who were taken forcibly from Africa to the Caribbean to, you know, to work as slaves, but then were invited back to uh, the UK, the motherland, as a lot of them would, would, would see it and class it as in, in the 40s and 50s, to build up the, the country after it got um, decimated in the Second World War. You know, the jobs that were promised to them weren't there. The way that they were treated was, was terrible. There was no race relation legislation at the time. So people, if they wanted to live in the countryside, they couldn't get mortgages or no one would let, uh, let them rent a house. You know, pe landlords were well within their right to say, we don't want you living here because we don't like your colour. So they ended up living in small pockets, generally in inner city. And when other relatives or whatever came over, they would go to those environments. For people of colour, I like to say we've been urbanised. We know concrete and steel and tarmac and glass. And that's, that's what we know. You know, and we create a culture around that. We haven't made, we haven't created a culture around the outdoors. And I think what I'm trying to do is, is to try and help people realise that the outdoors is a space as much for them as it is for everybody else. I listen to Five Live quite a lot. And I feel like every other day I hear a, a story about racism in football. There's lots of people saying, look, you need to do more about this. You need to tackle it on social media, the people that are spreading all this nonsense and all this kind of stuff. And you just feel like it's a never-ending battle that, that nobody's winning. But I was, I'm, I'm wondering if we're starting to have those conversations now because there was a concerted effort for more participation from minorities a few years ago. Or is that a nonsense? Well, what's, what's happening now, Ollie, and what we're seeing, which is great, is that community groups since... The, the issues of last summer community groups have started to to form up and down the country with people who've never met each other before but have a shared interest and reaching out to create movements where they're just saying hey look you know what we don't need the governing bodies we don't need support we're just going to do it ourselves my sense is that people have just had enough and will say well look if you can be with us or or not and if you're with us, that's great. But we're doing it on our terms now, which is great. So I, I was one of the founding members of a campaigning group called Black Trail Runners, which I don't think you need to be that smart to understand what that involves. I, I cycle with a group called Black Cycling Network, which we meet up in Regent's Park on a Saturday morning and do laps. There's Black Girls Hike. There's Steppers UK. There's a group called Climber, C-L-M-B-X-R, that's in London, which uh, is a minority ethnic group. And they're just doing it and taking it on their own terms. And it's quite interesting to see now that the brands are like, oh, what, we've missed it? What's going on here? And people are falling over themselves to try and get a piece of this action because it's been a blind spot for them. In the outdoor industry, I think people have been so pleased and happy with themselves you know, oh, we're for the environment, you know, we're all good, we're all in this together, that they haven't even really witnessed or, or seen that there's this whole issue here. Fair play to them, people are stepping up. So some of the big brands are stepping out now and feeling slightly awkward and embarrassed about the whole thing. But, you know, better late than never, I say. And we have to be positive 
about this thing. I mean, there, we are, we know what the reality is, but the outdoors is fantastic and we should have a smile on our face when we do it. I certainly do. And it doesn't stop me, but I've, bought, I've been brought up in a way where I've had that experience from an early age, like yourself, Ollie. I was introduced to it by my grandfather. So I had the skills and I had the tools to be able to navigate both literally and metaphorically but not a lot of other people who look like me necessarily have had those opportunities. Phil, that's just so beautifully said. I feel that whatever I say from here on in now will just absolutely make it lessen the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, don't be, don't be silly. I mean, the great, the great thing is, Tim, is, is that you know, people like yourself have been ever so welcoming. And, and that's, that's beautiful, but I think what people are beginning now is to understand other people don't necessarily see it in the same way that, that you see it yourself yeah you know haven't had the opportunity to go out there and and get as rad as you clearly have been tim because you're rad mate you are too <laughs> kind listen let's ramp it on because we know that you've yeah. got some incredible stories you've touched on your tools there but before we go i will say this Phil has done a brilliant podcast with friend of our podcast, Mr. Matt Barr. It's called Looking Sideways. Go and have a listen. He also does a very brilliant episode with Sal Masakela. And Sal described what you'd said there about people being a bit blinking and a bit blinded. Sal called it this, these communities that they were welcoming and they were this, they, but they were all blinded by the blanket of Stoke. And yeah, I thought well, that was so nicely put. And it's a way of, you know, we just all need to hold our hands up like you say better late than never and be better and do better but we're going to leave the log cabin just for a little bit and we're going to head off to the chairlift the chairlift Phil a hanging haven a place where if you're on your own you can get all introspective and zen or whatever but where if you're with your friends or that weird bloke who's on his own but always ends up on your lift can end up in anecdotal anarchy Nothing is off the cards. Every story is told. So, Phil, what's your story? This is actually the first time I went snowboarding with the school. Were you a skateboarder first? Yeah, I've been a skier for a long time. I was a skier since I was a kid. So we were going on a a ski trip with the school and uh, we had just found out about snowboarding. A friend of mine, a guy called Darren Robinson, you might well, you know Darren Robinson. Yes, yeah. Uh, so he was at school with me and he'd bought in a magazine, some French magazine, because he was working part-time at Phase 7, which was a skateboard shop in Wartham Cross. So he'd bought a magazine in, and it was like a trade show magazine. It had a picture of a guy on a snowboard. And we were like, what the fuck is that thing? We'd never <laughs> seen it. It was like in the 80s sometime. It was like, what is that? It's surfing on snow. And we were skateboarders at the time. It was like, we've got to have, some, got to have ourselves some of that. So we, we were also part-timing at Do It All, the, the hardware <laughs> store. Yeah, the one. Which is like, yeah. a bit like B&Q or home base. We, we're scouring around Do It All, and we got all this 8 before plywood, and we shoved it out the back next to, next to the skip at, at, <laughs> during, the, during the day. And, we, and we're like, oh, look, let's get some of that. And then we got some boat varnish and we like we shoved that round the back of the skip and then we got we got some 
<laughs> We've got some angle beading, you know the stuff that you... I think you put it on side of shelves, or maybe there's... It's expensive, doing... Uncle! Angle beading was is expensive! Not, hey, not, not, not when you're working at doing yeah. it. <laughs> and someone leaves the warehouse door open, it ain't that expensive, oh, yeah. Ollie. Let me tell you about yeah, that. Yeah. So we got that and some, and some paint, and we, started, we came back late at night scattered out the air and we got it in the back of the van or someone's car or something like that it was like right let's make some snowboards and take them, on, take them on our ski trip that we're going to in next week or something like that so we're like okay well what uh, how what so we just had this picture it was one picture of a snowboard in this french magazine and we're like well it's, it's clearly this isn't it and <laughs> someone someone found another picture of a, a burton cruiser or burton safari and it had it had fins on it so there was two fins so we cut out fins we, we got a sheet of metal or something we cut these <laughs> fins out the side and like a, a keel do you know those remember the first snowboards that had a little keel in it yeah a tiny little thing i don't know what i don't know what they were supposed to do anyway so i think, we, I think we had, just to keep the whole thing going straight yeah, who it? knows man yeah who knows it was it was ridiculous we spent more time doing the graphics to be fair <laughs> How old were you at this time? How old are you? 16 or Yeah, something. okay. My friend had got some walking boots, some co-flash walking boots that I think he'd snuck out of the school as well. I had a pair of roller skates. That, that was it, red and white roller skates. But I did also have the inserts, the liners of my ski boots. So I'm thinking, okay, well, look, what I, what I can do is use the liners of my ski boots that kind of cut the toe off the roller skate boots. So I took the roller skate and just screw the roller skate boots onto the top of the snowboard, put my inners in the inside and just lace it all up nice and tight. I thought, Kushti, we'll have some of that. <laughs> so we, we got, I don't know how we got on there. He must have wrapped them up in bubble wrap or something oh like that. Oh my God. Stuck, stuck them on the coach. We went to Cormayeur just underneath Mont Blanc anyway, school teachers must have thought you were mad I've no idea I don't think they even knew man oh, we, we, just, oh we, we just had these things they're like what's that what's that young they're like nothing sir nothing <laughs> <laughs> get in get in the coach so anyway, one day it was, a, it was a powder day and we're like okay, we can have some of this right? we got the lift and then the next lift then we got like you know they have the top cable car that that doesn't really go that often yeah. and you get all the hardcore dudes in crampons and ropes and <laughs> transceivers and peeps going up and then us three lads from Essex <laughs> you know and there's this black kid and these two guys and we, we were just laughing and they were like hey bonjour anglais anglais yeah. so we got up to the top and we got out and all these people that's a bit it's a bit of a crowd to be fair i'm not surprised saying, i am like, not surprised what are these lads doing darren strapped up he actually had, he had found some dude who had some winter not a winter stick but it was like a fiberglass surfboard with rubber straps so he was fine he'd scored something in the town oh right my, my other friend had something similar he had the co-flash boots type thing so that's strapped up <laughs> i put my board down to uh, to strap up and the fucker went off down the mountain without me. Seriously. It's just like, like, what? 
Oh. Where's it gone? And I was like running down, you know, waste the powder to try and get, try and catch up with this board because it, it clearly worked. Uh, it must have been the boat varnish, I was thinking. <laughs> so it had gone like about 50 metres, 100 metres or something like that. Ran down after it. It was greeted with much hilarity by the locals, as I'm sure you can imagine. <laughs> but anyway, we got, we got up, we strapped this thing down. And, and by the time we got to the bottom, we could actually snowboard on these things. We could Mate. get turns in. Not to mention that actually halfway down the mountain, my my, my screws from my back foot actually came off so i was so <laughs> i was footed i was one footed but there was still some screws kind of stuck up in the thing so i could grip on it a little bit but uh i was very it's very entertaining and, and and well we got down i was like man i'm all over this i went home and was uh reading rad a skateboard magazine at the time and someone was selling a snowboard and I've only been skiing once since then for one afternoon, and that was only yeah. for a laugh. It just, it was like snow, snowboarding ever since. What a way to get into snowboarding and boat varnish. It's a hidden secret. <laughs> yeah, and just whack <laughs> on the bottom of some boards. <laughs> We're at the top. And in front of you is an avi-prone, powdery wonder run that's leaving you glassy-eyed, Phil. There are cliffs, rocks, trees, the odd marmot that could throw you off course. That's absolutely right. So to navigate yourself down, you're going to have to answer some questions. Get one wrong and you could trigger an avalanche. I mean, you could smash your femur, you could shatter your wrists, but get them right and you will have the most bottomless, powder-filled run of your entire life. Now, Phil, your uh, contribution to 90s popular culture cannot be underestimated. But how much do you know about 90s popular culture? Yay. Are you ready? Well, I'm going to say yes, but my memory is not what it once was. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, I'm glad I've got my peeps. And uh, if anyone's behind me, uh, I hope they've got a shovel and a, and a probe. All right. Well, we'll dig let's you go. out. If you get buried, we'll dig you out. Don't you let's worry. Let's go. Let's do it. What video game was the first ever to be played in space? Pac-Man. It was Tetris. Phil comes down to the first cliff. Oh, he snags it. Oh, and he's cartwheeled off, but he's okay. He's not lost his bag or his goggles. And no avalanche has been set off yet. He's back up and running. Question two. What band is featured on Beavis's shirt? Beavis. Beavis. Yeah, be- oh. be- Beavis and Butthead. Oh, oh, my, oh, my God. I'm going to say ACDC. It's Metallica. Damn it. comes. He's going for a big powder turn here. Oh, he buries the nose. Oh, he does a really rubbish slow turn. Oh, that was a terrible powder turn. Sounds like a classic one for me. <laughs> Question three. Back in 1996, Fern Cotton began her presenting career on which programme? No idea. He's coming to the backside turn now. He's come up the bank and, oh, he's cartwheeled in the snow. Oh, he's tumbled. Oh, he's hit a rock and he's lost his goggles. What was the answer? What was the answer to that? The, the Disney Club. Because I was watching the Disney Club every, <laughs> every day in 1996, <laughs> that's for sure. Question four. Which girl's toy provided Aqua with her number one hit in 1997? Is it Barbie? It's Barbie. He said he got it right. Come Cops on. across the face. He can see a little lip. Boom. He pops a huge ollie. Mute grab. Very nice. And he's back in the game. Woohoo! 
the final question. You can end this run in style. Who knocked England out of the 1998 FIFA World Cup finals in France on penalties? Uh, I'm going to have to say Germany. Oh, he's ragged. He's hit a rock. He's ragdolled through the snow. The bag's gone. His arms come off. He's snapped his snowboard. It's the end of the day. He's had a shocker. It was Argentina. It was Argentina. Oh. But you don't have, you don't have to feel bad. I was out most of the 90s. <laughs> Making tracks, Phil, is our mission to create the ultimate mountain playlist. I'm very excited because you've worked with some incredible artists over the years, as we've established. So no pressure. Essentially, Jamie Nichols has ruined it. So it's up to you to get this playlist (laughs) back on track. So, Phil, you head to the chairlift. You're on your own. There's no one there. You've got it. Do you know what? It's an eight-seater. You've got it all to yourself. So you pop in your earphones. You've got a tune on. What have you put on? It's gonna. I, I'm, I'm getting fired up, right? I'm getting fired up yeah, for, this, for this tune. So it's going to have to be something that's got some energy with it. I'm a big fan of hip-hop. And mm. one of the greatest bands in hip-hop to have ever done it was Public Enemy. So on that nice. chairlift, we're playing Rebel Without a Pause from the Nation of Millions album, yes. which, which is just incredible. Starts off, well, it's got this loop which is like an auto sax, uh, what do they call it, glissando, where it starts from one note to another note, and it, yeah. just, it just loops and loops and loops, and like, <laughs> like incredible energy to it. And then there's the drum beat of it is, um, well, it's, it's the, I think it's a funky drummer drum beat, but it was, well, it was produced by the Shockley brothers, who were amazing at the time, genre-defining. But they weren't happy with the with the sample. So, little known fact, they got Flavor Flav from Public Enemy, who was actually a good drummer. I was going to gonna say, no way did he play the drums. He he played he plays the drums on that track on their their pads with the drum machine. He's playing the whole of that track. Brothers and sisters. So you you are at the top now. I don't know if you listen to music when you ride, regardless of whether or not you do. Let's just say you do for now. What you what are you going to listen to whilst what what music accompanies you in your brain when you're riding down the hill? Uh, when I'm riding down the hill, I don't like anything too heavy, too major. Yeah. I, I I like to be able to appreciate the environment, so it's something that's going to actually float with me through that environment. So I'm going to listen nice. to uh, something by Alex the Kid, and he's a producer and he's worked with uh, Dr. Dre, Nicki Minaj. Eminem, but he's he's he goes under the pseudonym by Alexander. He's, he brought out an album a little while ago called By Alexander, and in this song called Trumpets, he's teamed up with O Seven O Shakes, a female rapper out of New York, to produce this jazz tune, which is, I mean, so joyous, but at the same time, full of heartache. And and failure, the, uh, some of the failure that we all feel in it, in our everyday lives, some of our anxieties, but it's just lifted by this by this jazz tune and the, and the promise of a better tomorrow by by the rapper. So that's gonna get me that's gonna get me through it, and I'm gonna be smiling listening to it for sure. You should have called before you called. Also worth noting, if you listen along, links to the playlist right in the show notes. So as soon as we're done with Phil, you can go and have a listen. Snow notes. 
No, stop it, Ollie. You've ridden your homemade boat varnish wonder stick to the bottom. You've kicked off your roller snake boots and you're now in the apres bar. We're getting a beer in for you. You've waltzed straight over to the DJ booth. What have you asked the DJ to play? Actually, Tim, what I've done is asked the DJ to step aside. (laughs) (laughs) The the confidence on this man. Excuse me, Mr. DJ. Would you step aside, please? I'll show you how it's done. Now, this, this actually happened. To be, to be honest with you, I was, we were in Maribel, it was a British Championships, and I did actually have a, a, a box of records and went into, I can't remember the club, some, some, somewhere, somewhere in Maribel, somewhere in Maribel. Dick's think, Tea Bar? That's in Maribel. It could, it, it, could, it could have been, yeah, it could have been Dick's Tea Bar, and it was, it was the Brits, and I did have a box of records, we just, I went in there and just asked the guy to move over, because we'd come in with loads of people, and we said, look, come on. Let's get the party started. At Prey Ski Bar, that scene, you can't play anything too left field. You have to do something that everyone's going to be into, that everyone kind yeah. of knows it a little bit, so there's a vibe. So I can't be playing some deep underground Detroit techno track. You know, people are just going to be, what is this guy on? So <laughs> I'm going to come in, right? And I played this tune, first drop. And it's, it's a bit, reg- everyone loves reggae. Most people loves, love reggae, right? And so everyone gets a vibe. They feel comfortable with that. Everyone also likes a little bit of drum and bass at the right time. Oh, yeah. If not jungle. So <laughs> get that together. And I'm going to drop under my sensi. So Barrington Levy did that. Under my sensi, me under my sensi. So it's that. Yeah. But it's, but it's the Rebel MC, i.e. Congo Natty, jungle version of it with sirens all over it there's horns there's emceeing and it's just frantic at like carnage 180 bpm or something crazy might not be that fast but it's super crazy and it's just a party starter Uh, so that's what i'm playing and and the place is going to go mental absolutely going mental mad I mean, I didn't expect anything less, if I'm honest. Yeah, you've all the pressure on at the start, Ollie. There's so, no, there's, um, there's no pressure. Delivered. There's no, there's no pressure when it comes to music, guys. No pressure. That's we can it. do that all day long. I've got more than enough music to satisfy your your needs. It's been so ace. Thank you so much for coming along to our log cabin. I've loved it. Thank you very much, lads. Um, who's got my scarf? <laughs> <laughs> Feel young, everybody. Feel young. That's it. That's our show for this week. A massive thanks to Phil Young. If you want to keep up to date with what Phil is up to, and you definitely should, you can go and check him out on Instagram at Phil's Skills. That's P-H-I-L-S-K-I-L-L-S. And don't forget, you can get in touch with us too, for whatever reason, really, but especially if you have an embarrassing winter sports tale by emailing us, theappraypod at gmail.com. And if you've loved this, make sure you hit subscribe, of course, to hear us every single week when new episodes drop. There's a few in the back catalogue now as well, which are worth checking out. And to find out who's joining us next week in the cabin, head over to our Instagram at theappraypod, where we'll be revealing that news first. Plus a bunch of videos from today. Thanks again to Phil Young. Thanks to you, Tim. Thanks to you, Ollie. And thanks to our producer, Matt Hill, at Rethink Audio. And most importantly, thanks to you, lovely listener. We'll see you in the log cabin next week. Uh